Coming up on today's episode of the Locked On Bucks podcast, we are joined by Greg Allman of The Athletic to discuss the defensive side of the ball in 2020. But first, the Buccaneers made a roster move regarding, you guessed it, the kicker position. You are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up and welcome back to the Locked On Bucks podcast. I'm James Yarko, joined as always by David Harrison. You can find everything that we're doing over at BucksNation.com and make sure you follow along on Twitter at Locked On Bucks, at JayYarko underscore Bucks, at DHarrison82, and at Bucks underscore Nation. Your Tampa Bay Buccaneers lead story is that the Buccaneers have now signed former Tennessee Titan kicker Ryan Suckup to a one-year league veteran minimum deal to compete with sophomore kicker Matt Gay, who the Bucks drafted in the fifth round of the 2019 draft. As a result, the Buccaneers have waived kicker Elliot Fry, who was competing with Gay in camp. The Buccaneers sent out this press release following the signing. Quote, Suckup spent the last six seasons with the Tennessee Titans, converting on 117 of 140 field goals, 83.6%, and 178 of 188 extra point attempts, 94.7%, over 86 games with Tennessee. Through his first 10 years in the league, Suckup has hit 236 of 287 career field goals and 338 of 348 career extra points. He has appeared in four career playoff games, all with the Chiefs, making all four of his field goal tries and all nine of his extra point attempts. Suckup is a five-time special teams player of the week and was named AFC Special Teams Player of the Month in September 2017. The Hickory, North Carolina native played collegiately at South Carolina. All that being said, David, what do you think about the never-ending kicker battle for the Buccaneers this year featuring Matt Gay and Ryan Suckup? Uh, it's, a, it's a never-ending kicking battle in Tampa Bay just forever, it, it would seem. Uh, I mean, obviously, you know, there were reports during training camp practices that, you know, Elliot Fry would have a good day, Matt Gay would have a couple misses, Matt Gay would have a good day, Elliot Fry would have a couple misses, and it was kind of a back and forth competition of who's gonna, you know, edge out the other guy and who's gonna eke out the win and da da da. da. And then they do the the front or the uh, scrimmage in Raymond James Stadium, and the reports come out that you know Matt Gay was okay, right? I think that's uh, if I remember correctly, that's a quote from Bruce Arians is he was okay. Um, whereas Elliot Fry missed, uh, if I remember correctly, multiple kicks inside of of his home stadium. So you can't you can't do that. You can't miss uh, multiple kicks in your first opportunity to perform in front of your new team in your home stadium because they need you to, you know, of, of all the stadiums, your team is going to need you to be efficient at. It's your home stadium more than any other. And we know that Matt Gay had his own struggles at home, uh, especially in that disastrous Week 17 loss to the Atlanta Falcons. I mean, that just his, – his made attempts uh, percentage just fell through the basement uh, in that game alone. Uh, but, you know, it is, it is what it is. And, I mean, we've talked about it before. Kickers might be the least secure job uh, position or job title to hold in the National Football League. So, you know, that's that's the career path they're on. That's the life they're in. And, you know, Matt Gay's got to deal with it. Ryan Suckup's got to come in and see what he can do with it. I mean, he, he's talking to the media today as people are listening to this. And I'm really intrigued to find out, one, 
what Ryan Suckup thinks about his opportunity in Tampa to how he feels kicking on the same field that Tom Brady is going to be throwing on every Sunday. Yeah, I don't I don't dislike this signing at all. Look, before Suckup had a knee injury, he was a really, really good kicker for the Titans. And if it takes him coming in to finally get Matt Gay, you know, focused and and get his head straight and and get him kicking the way that, you know, it looked like he could kick in his rookie season, then fine, great. If Matt Gay continues to fall apart at the seams, there are worse kickers that the Buccaneers could have than a healthy Ryan suck up at the same time. I still say just go sign Pat McAfee and call it a day. If nothing else, the post-game press conferences would be absolutely epic. We have a message from a good friend of ours and a good friend of ours is that lovely family owned business RockAuto.com? Yes. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and most importantly, prices you prefer those prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and they are the same for professionals as well as do-it-yourselfers you don't need to spend up to twice as much for the same parts you just don't you got to visit our friends at rockauto.com just go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. Back here at the Locked On Bucks podcast, continuing our catch-up week. And joining us now is the one, the only, the godfather of the Locked On Bucks podcast. For those of you who have joined us over the recent years since James and I uh, have been, been lucky enough to get onto this network and host this show, Greg Amon is actually the one. Greg, are you the one who, who began Locked on Bucks with David Locke? I was. I was the first one and did uh, whatever, like 120 podcasts that first year? Yes, sir. And I know I was a regular listener and subscriber to it. And then uh, you you stepped away. I know that you you were doing some other projects. And I think you stepped away shortly before you went to the Athletic, correct? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It had kind of two separate things. But yeah, I had done that. And um, yeah, it, it's we, it's a little bit weird not to have a daily pod now. Um, I don't necessarily mind it all the time, but it's definitely a different thing to to think each day with a podcast in mind and and to be able to talk to people and get the responses from uh, from listeners and stuff like that. So I do miss it. Yeah, it, it is a great experience. And I mean, Greg, we get a lot of comments from fellow podcasters, fans, other media members who talk about the undertaking that this is. And I think that you're honestly the the really the one who understands completely and intimately what doing this show really means. So we appreciate you laying that foundation. And then, you know, we were lucky enough to get a hold of David Locke, drop essentially a demo tape, and he was willing to bring us on and, and has helped us take this thing uh, to the places that we have. So, Greg, obviously you're doing great work over the Athletic. We appreciate you coming on to catch up with the Buccaneers defense with us. And uh, just to start it off, Greg, I mean, mostly the defense is the same, which I think is why it maybe hasn't gotten as much uh, press this offseason as maybe it deserves. But going back to our Monday episode with Carmen Vitale, uh, she's mentioned that Todd Bowles really has just kind of scratched the surface on what he wants to do with this unit. 
and that she's kind of already seen some stuff in the practice tape that is uh, very different from last year. And that in 2020, we could see some increased creativity from Coach Bowles, uh, specifically talking about pass rushes and stuff like that. What is it that you expect from Coach Bowles, given that he's got uh, what I think is probably a pretty rare opportunity with a, with a second year with his entire defense returning, plus some added talent? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I would compare it to like if you had taken a new language in high school and you had that first year where you could speak a little bit and you kind of know the language. Uh, you're not ordering off the menu, if you will. Um, and then this is year two. This is definitely a, a level of like uh, advanced, uh, I want to say mastery yet, but I think they know this defense a lot better. So when he wants to add more wrinkles and more exotic looks and disguises, um, I think he'll be able to do that. You know, just about everybody, with the exception of like Antoine Winfield, um, maybe some of the the depth at pass rusher. Like you said, they're all back. So in theory, they should be starting this this offseason and starting training camp, you know, where they finished last year at, which was at a, a wildly different place in terms of knowing where to be and what to do and how the defense kind of works in conjunction with other people on the field. So, yeah, I, I think it'll be – if they're anything close to what they finished last year at, that'll be a great starting point. Uh, you'll see a lot more takeaways – the pass game, you know, was so much different in terms of how easily opponents could throw the ball on them in the first half of last year. So, no, it's, um, you know, to hear them, there's a consistent theme that as much as uh, Brady and Gronk have understandably taken the headlines and a lot of the excitement around this team, that they feel like the defense could be the better part of this team. Right. When we take a look at the the secondary of the Buccaneers, they started off just so slowly in 2019 and it was you know shortly after they they got rid of Vernon Hargraves you had Jamel Dean step in who had a rough game against Seattle was then inactive the following week and then came back and finished the season as as one of the Buccaneers best players but you have Jamel Dean you have Carlton Davis you have Sean Murphy Bunting you have a a back end Jordan Whitehead played incredibly well down the stretch is it reasonable for Buccaneers fans to expect the 2020 secondary to look the way it did in the back half of 2019? Or do you think we're going to see some sort of almost regression to the mean and, and it'll be somewhere in between where they started and where they finished last year? Uh, I mean, it could be, uh, I think they, I think they'll be able to play at a very high level. I mean, I think what they did last year um, they did, without a whole lot of takeaways, a whole lot of turnovers. I mean, the, the fumble return touchdowns as a defense were huge, whatever they had, like five of them. Um, you know, you saw Murphy Bunning in a pick six, but for the most part, I think the safeties had like two interceptions total all of last year. Um, they can be much better than that. Um, the corners, you know, so many pass breakups for Dean and for Davis. Um, if they could just take, you know, one in five of the balls that they get a hand on and break up and turn those into picks, that's like seven or eight picks right there. So I think, um, like I said, I think the, the biggest step on both sides of the ball that the Bucks can take to go from being a good team to a great team will be in turnover margin, will be in Brady throwing half as many picks as Winston did, and it'll be in the defense getting – you know, 10 to 15 more takeaways than they did. And if you do that, if you're plus 20 from where you were last year, plus 25 even, uh, that's a huge difference. That's that's four or five wins right there. So, like I said, I think I think they'll be able to play at a high level, but I think a big part of that will be um, 
taking what was a good pass breakup last year and making it an interception, taking what was an interception last year and making it a pick six, that kind of thing. Yeah, and, and Greg, sticking with the secondary, I mean, somebody who at least during training camp, which of course we always have to say with a grain of salt that's already kind of showing the ability to turn some of those you know passes broken up into turnovers has been undrafted rookie Parnell Motley. Um, during the offseason, uh, some, so, you know, some of the people around the Buccaneers, some of the fans, some of, some of us out here kind of thought the team should maybe look for a veteran talent. You know, there's, there's a line there. You don't want to go out and get a Logan Ryan that a lot of people are going to kind of expect to be a starter and come in and do that. But some veteran leadership to kind of help bring that young group even more together and be a leader inside that meeting room. Instead, the Buccaneers opted to stay young, getting even younger when you consider the addition of guys like Motley and then the release of guys like MJ Stewart. Uh, hindsight being 2020, obviously we get to look back at the offseason and and criticize, but did it surprise you personally that they stayed so young in the secondary? Or do you think it's just kind of a situation where in the NFL you almost kind of have to pick and choose where you're going to let your depth stay young or thin, and they chose uh, correctly or incorrectly to let the, the cornerback group stay that way? Yeah, there are a couple of positions, especially on defense, where I think they're um, kind of banking on their starters staying healthy in that – um, much like outside linebacker, if, if anything happens to Dean or Davis or Murphy Bunting, there's kind of a hole in that secondary. I mean, whether it's you drop right away to a Ryan Smith who's had his share of defensive vulnerabilities or, or like you said, an undrafted rookie like Motley who's completely untested at this level. So as long as your starters are fine, they're going to be fine. I, I think that the thinking that I had for most of this offseason was that it was just such a young group. Um, all three of the top corners are 23 years old. Um, Ryan Smith is like the, the grandfather of the room, and I think he's 26. So I, I had thought there might be a value in bringing in an old on-the-way-out type who can be the kind of what Shady McCoy is to the running back room, just a, a wise veteran, impart some wisdom. You don't even necessarily need to play a whole lot, just be somebody who can – keep these guys going in the right direction. And that's, that's what I thought. It was probably more out of leadership and mentorship than it was upgrading the product on the field. Like I said, it, it helps them insulate themselves against injury if they had it, but I think they feel really good that they'll be able to stay healthy and that those three will be able to be out there and do a lot. You know, if they, like right now, you know, Carlton Davis has a practice in like four days. So you'd sit there and say, wow, what will the Bucks do if Carlton Davis can't go in week one? And honestly, I think that the most logical thing would be putting Murphy Bunting outside with Dean as two strong corners and probably moving either Mike Edwards or Antoine Winfield in at nickel. They've both played it. Um, that's what I would do if I were down a corner all of a sudden. So they have some adjustments. They probably have one or two more uh, solid DBs than they'll have on the field most of the time. And that gives you a little bit of a wiggle room if you lose one player that you can slide people over and still have a good product out there on the field. But yeah, I, I thought they'd bring in somebody, you know, even 35 years old, somebody who is, is on the way out, but has a, a ton of NFL wisdom they can bring into that room. Greg, last thing before we get to the, um, the rapid fire here, one of yeah. the biggest complaints uh, about the Buccaneers in recent years, of course, has been the inability to get to the quarterback and Shaq Barrett flipped that right on its head. Last year, you know, this is a team now that has the reigning NFL sack leader, Jason Pierre-Paul, put up almost a sack a game once he returned from what a lot of us thought could have been a, a career-ending neck injury following that car accident. And Bruce Arians recently, when when talking to you guys, had mentioned, or I believe somebody asked him about, reaching that 50-sack plateau. 
So how do you see this pass, pass rush stacking up with a secondary that started to gel, started to come together, understands the defense a little bit better, and you have a, a fully healthy Jason Pierre-Paul to enter the year. You have Shaq Barrett, who everybody knows about. You know, offensive cor- or, yeah, offense coordinators are going to key on him, game plan for him after the performance he had last year. But we're also expecting maybe a few more blitzes coming out of Levante David and Devin White. So how do you see this pass rush shaking out? And uh, you know, can they hit that 50 sack mark in 2020? Yeah, 50 would be wild. I think they've hit 51. I think it's like the, the year 2000 when Sapp had his big year. I think Marcus Jones had like 13 that year too. Uh, 47 was the second most in team history. So, I mean, it, you, you look there and you say, how could they even get to 47 again? And I, I don't think Shaq's going to get 19 and a half again just because it was such a, a remarkable season that he had. But, you know, JPP can certainly get up easier to the 12 range. Uh, if you get, you know, get 25, 28 from those two again, that's a good start towards 50 for sure. I, like you mentioned, I think there'll be more exotic blitzes. I think they'll use both of the inside linebackers and their speed to throw, to throw opponents off and blitz them a couple times a game. Um, I think guys like Edwards and Winfield, they'll start blitzing safeties and blitzing nickels and stuff like that more often. So I do think even honestly, the defensive line, I mean, their defensive line isn't a big part of the sack equation just because they're so busy, you know, holding up the line of scrimmage. But I think Vea can become a sack guy in a way he hasn't been. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I go in and, and anything that's kind of 40 and north, you'd think the sacks are a big part of this defense. 50 would be great. If they have 50 sacks, they're, they're going to be a, a, a defense that people are talking about nationally, probably. All right. Well, Greg, it is time to begin the rapid fire round. But I'm going to let David introduce the first question because he has set some parameters around it that, quite <laughs> frankly, I will forget something and ruin the entire project <laughs> if I try to explain it. All right. Yeah, it's, it's kind of strange to call it rapid fire, and I'm going to take this first, first little bit and, and do a full <laughs> explanation of it. Um, right. So, Greg, the first question is going to be, we're going to ask you to identify the 2020 Tampa Bay Buccaneers hidden hero, and the criteria of a player being eligible, quote-unquote, to be a hidden hero is basically a guy that maybe not the entire national media knows. I mean, there are some guys that are fan favorites. Of course, you know, Bucks fans kind of stand on the table for their own personal guys that they like that maybe don't get enough credit, at least as far as they see it. But the national media kind of knows some of these guys. Your Tom Brady's, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, guys who have had all pro nods, even second team, uh, NFL top 100 player lists, um, you know, surefire Hall of Famers. So those are the kind of guys that we want to kind of take off the table and then leave the rest of the roster. And we're asking each guest this week to kind of pick their candidate for a hidden hero. Now, you're in the middle of the week, so I suppose you have a little bit of advantage, a little bit of a disadvantage because our, our guests on Thursday and Friday are going to have even fewer players to pick from because the, the real, where, the, where, where the real rub is, you can't pick anybody that anybody else already picked. So they might be the, the person that comes to your mind first, but Devin White is off the board because Carmen Vitale picked him, and I'd say he's probably the closest to borderline qualifying because he's in his second season. Uh, we actually had a, a reader comment on Bucks Nation and how is he a hidden hero when he's the fifth overall pick? Last yeah. <laughs> year? And I get that, but hey, no all pros, no pro bowls. He's not a sure fire hall of famer. So right. criteria. Um, and then Taylor Jenkins, a Pew reporter, you know, very well, kind of surprised us, but really backed up his argument, uh, picking Cam Brait as his hidden hero candidate. Uh, so Greg, those are the criteria. Those are the players that are off the board. Uh, take as much time as you need, really. I know it's called a rapid fire, but we're kind of right. throwing this at you in the moment. 
So who do you think could be the Buccaneers 2020 hidden hero? Yeah, you know, we did this, uh, an exercise like this with the athletic where each team had to pick somebody that hadn't been to a Pro Bowl or an All-Pro. Um, and that, like you said, that takes, you know, the Levantes and, and even Godwin off the board. And, and I picked Ali Marpet. Um, I think I think he's someone who has been underappreciated here. And I think the prominence of him blocking in front of Tom Brady is going to help him a lot. So in terms of like guys that I think could be in their first Pro Bowl this year with the Bucks, I would start with Ali. Um, I do think Devin White is a guy who will have a much bigger um, recognition nationally. Like you said, he's a top five pick. There's, there's nothing hidden about him. But I think in terms of people knowing who he is, if he has the kind of year that he had in December last year, he'll be a guy that people know across the league. Um, DBs, I don't think anybody knows who these three young corners are. Sean Murphy Bunting, if he can keep making plays, will be a guy you know, that, again, gets elevated nationally. Um, so that's where I'd start. I mean, Cam Brake's a fun one just because he's he's a number three tight end and he's fourth in the NFL in touchdown catches for the last five years. So, um, you know, one of those tight ends is going to surprise and have like eight touchdowns this year. And it certainly could be him. Well, Greg, it's funny you bring up the tight ends because now we're going to enter the actually rapid portion of the rapid fire. <laughs> so I, I have a three-parter for you. Uh, which Buccaneers tight end is going to lead the team in snaps? In snaps, I would say Howard in snaps, if I had to guess. Okay. Which Buccaneers tight end will lead the team in receptions? In receptions, I'll, I'll go Gronk on that, but it's going to be close. And finally, which Buccaneers tight end is going to lead the team in touchdowns? Uh, if you got to pick one, I still think Gronk there. There's just such a history with him and Tom, just knowing each other so well. I think they had 78 touchdowns in the 2010s. The, that's the most of – any passing combo in the league, receiver, back, anything. So, yeah, you, you still have to go with Gronk. It would be really cool if, if his attention opened things up for OJ to get back to the kind of scoring numbers he had his first two years in the league. All right. And then the last rapid-fire question is, what is your win-loss prediction for the 2020 Bucks? Uh, that's tricky. Um, <laughs> you know, most of the time I've done these, uh, I've kind of drifted between like nine and ten wins. Um, and I guess I'm still probably at, I'll, I'll say 10 and six right now. Um, and that's still presuming right now that they don't win the NFC South. That's still presuming that the saints finish ahead of them. Uh, maybe like 11 and five, 12, four, something like that. So yeah, I still say 10 and six and in the postseason is a wild card and then fun to see what they can do in January. That's still kind of where I feel right now. All right. Well, Greg, we certainly appreciate some of your time tonight. Oh, oh, before, sorry. before you let Greg go, sorry, Greg, just because I, I know your, you know, your eyes and your ears are open across the league, even though, sure. uh, you know, your, your, your beat is with the Buccaneers. What do you think about all the stuff going on with Alvin Kamara? Yeah, it's fun to see today. It, it kind of feels at first uh, with Jazina putting out there that they're interested in trading or open to trading him. It feels like leverage. It feels like something um, it, it you step back and you say they've done so much to kind of have a win now. Let's get Breeze out with a championship type thing that it would be a much different team if, if he wasn't part of that. So even if they got like a first round pick, it's not going to help them this year. Um, I do think they have an absolute nightmare of a situation coming from a salary cap standpoint. They're like $60 million over the cap or something like that. So there, there's no amount of, of magic that's going to get them out of that. They're going to have to cut or trade some really significant parts of that team after this year. So like I said, it, it throws me off that they 
they could, you know, if they got a one and a four or something like that, they could trade Kamara away when it would leave them hurting at a key position. I mean, he's such a big part of their offense, both from the run and the, the catching part of it. Um, so my initial thought, somebody had a good point that it's like, it's one of those things that could have been cast out there um, strictly as a negotiating ploy, a leverage thing. And in seeing the interest level, they might've talked themselves into doing it. But like I said, I think there would be a fair amount of betrayal for the current saints players. If such a key part of this team were traded away um, over salary, over something financial. So I I don't think it'll happen. I think he's going to be there. Um, It wouldn't surprise me if he goes and signs somewhere else, just because they have no room to sign a $12 million running back with what they're dealing with financially. But I think he's there and a big part of their team this season. All right. Appreciate that, Greg. I I continue to not understand how the saints year after year after year end up with such a salary cap crunch. And as you mentioned, they're on the verge of just a ridiculously high amount over the cap and then somehow finagle and restructure their way into adhering to, to the cap. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's all those years of, putting off payments is finally caught up with them to the point that they can't fix it. Yeah. It would be like if you had a mortgage and you put a second mortgage on your house and you had like a massive balloon payment due. I mean, even if they walk away from breeze, I think he's 22 million in dead money next year. So that's 22 million. You're paying him 16 million. You're paying Taysom Hill. Lord knows what else you're paying to another quarterback next year before you get to any other positions. There's, there's just, you know, they, they've got a great amount of talent. They are poised for a really special season this year. I just don't know how they'll sustain it beyond this year without giving up key parts of that core that's, that's led them to the success they've had. Well, it'll definitely be fun to, uh, to keep an eye on from, from the Fine. outside. But, Greg, thank you so much for some of your time tonight. Really appreciate you jumping on with us. For those of our listeners that don't know, I don't know why they wouldn't, but if they don't, where can they find everything that you do, especially one of the most phenomenal Twitter accounts out there? Well, it's the Locked on Bucks, the Locked on Bucks podcast and the Locked on Bucks network, so it starts there. No, um, sorry, <laughs> drift, I'm drifting back into whatever it was, 2017. Um, yeah, everything I write at, at theathletic.com. Uh, if you're not a subscriber already, thanks to everybody who is. But if you're not a subscriber, I think right now there's a 40% off deal. Uh, so you can get on board for whatever, $3 a month. Everything I do is, is at theathletic.com. Uh, I got free trials there too. Uh, don't get it just for me. We got writers, probably 55 writers covering the NFL. Every baseball team, pretty much every hockey team, every basketball team, people in our bubbles in Orlando and Edmonton and Toronto. Uh, just a great amount of coverage all over college and pro sports. And then, as you said, everything on Twitter is just my name, just uh, Greg Allman, G-R-E-G-A-U-M-A-N. Thanks again, guys. Always happy to be on with you guys. Yes, thank you. Really appreciate having you on. Look forward to having you back soon. All right, you guys take care. You too. Wrapping things up here on a Wednesday edition of the Locked On Bucks podcast. And a big thank you once again to Greg Allman. I really, really appreciate some of his time this evening to record the show with us. And uh, David, we have another friend of the show. He hasn't been around the show quite as long as Greg Allman has, but he is a loyal listener. He is a loyal caller, and he's experiencing cellular difficulties. That's why he sent us Twitter questions. Yes. Rico! Twitter questions and Twitter comments about the uh, focal player of our opening segment. Yes, yes. So None too happy about it. Uh, David, Grico asks, 
What was the last food TV commercial that made you run out and buy the product? For him, it was Duncan Hines chocolate chip cookies. I don't know. That's hard for me to answer because I don't have television. Uh, All right. What was the last food advertisement that you saw, whether it be a sponsored ad on social media or a 10 second clip before a YouTube video, whatever the case may be. The last time you saw food advertised in any way that you immediately went, yeah, I'm going to have to get that. Uh, a sheets cup of tots. A what cup of how sheets. Do you know sheets. what sheets is? Yeah. It's a no. regional gas station chain. So it's like a speedway, a BP, a shell. Right, but it's yeah, but it's like a full blown like it's a convenience store, and you know what I mean. And sometimes they have restaurants hooked up, like a Denny's or something. Oh, so it's like a truck stop. It's like a, a it's like a flying J type deals. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Flying okay, good one. Um, so Sheets is a local one here in in, in the area that I'm in now. Uh, Wawa is actually my favorite, to be honest with you, on the East Coast. But there's not Wawa's enough Wawa's near me. Uh, so I have a Sheets card, points card, right? So. I'm, I'm a man who likes to take advantage of those types of situations. And every month, uh, Sheets renews their rewards if you have the card. And so it's like, you know, buy this thing and you get five cents off per gallon of gas, your next, you know, gas purchase, stuff like that. So, you know, they reward you for using the same brand. It's, it's a marketing play and it works. Um, so today, September 1st, as we're recording. So I went in, I had to stop by Sheets to refuel my car. So as I'm, I'm checking, uh, as I'm, I'm getting ready to go there, uh, I check my app for the new rewards and, one of them was, I don't know, it was like a dollar off of, or no, it was like bonus points. It was like 150 bonus points if you buy a cup of tots uh, through the mobile app. So I was like, oh, I'm getting gas. Might as well grab a cup of mobile tots or a <laughs> cup of tots. <laughs> they but are mobile. Who, who doesn't? They are mobile. Who doesn't like tater tots, right? So on my way home from work today, I stopped. I got some gas and I ordered uh, a cup of tots from my mobile app and got 150 bonus points at Sheets. So I guess that would be, that would count, I suppose. All right, I'll I'll allow it. But yeah, I don't have TV. I mean, I ha- so my my direct TV is getting reconnected uh, out here on September 10th. Um, the timing is obvious. You can you can pick up the timing, and then I don't know. Come about mid to late February, it'll get turned off again. Um, I think I have kind of a two parter here because I don't know if it's really it wasn't a TV advertisement, but I. Um, I got suckered into trying the new Lucky Charms honey clovers. Don't do that. Don't don't do that. I didn't even know that was terrible. Like that. I don't have TV, so I didn't know that was a thing. And it sounds disgusting. It's it's terrible. I had visions of like it, it was going to taste like Lucky Charms marshmallows mixed in with like Honey Nut Cheerios. No, it was awful. Absolutely awful. <clears throat> um, and then. Another one, this is actually kind of funny because it's not, it wasn't a, a, an advertisement at all. It was actually a show. Uh, <clears throat> I was listening to a show called Business Wars uh, on Wondery. It's a podcast. And it was the history of Burger King versus McDonald's. So as I was getting further and further, I think it was like six or seven episodes, I started realizing how long it had been since I had had a Whopper. So I went and I got Burger King for lunch that day. But yeah, I mean, that was kind of the, the closest uh, to a, a TV ad, I guess, for either one. Uh, Greco, second question. This should be quick and easy. 
David is a good salad, not potato, even though potato is a really good salad. An underrated tailgate food. I mean, I suppose it depends on where you rate it. If you rate it, no, salad is not a good tailgate food. Um, The real question is, is egg salad really chicken salad? What? There's no chicken in egg salad. Are you sure? Yes. Egg salad. Egg salad. Is actually chicken salad. No, there's no chicken in egg salad. Where did it come from? Oh, dear God. I hate you. Beow, beow, beow. Uh, egg salad is delicious. That's gonna also, be- Greek. Hang on, hang on. Here's my new. There you go. That's going to that- be my new gotcha sound. That, I don't like that gotcha sound at all. You need to step your gotcha game up. Uh, Greco, first of all, what's your problem with potato salad? I make a phenomenal potato salad. Thank you very much. And no, uh, it could be the best salad. It's not tailgate food. That's like outdoor barbecue food, not tailgate food. I realize those are very similar things, but if I'm tailgating, I should not have to use a plate or a utensil for anything. I should be able to carry any tailgate food in one hand while my beer is in my other hand. So no, uh, salad is not an underrated tailgate food. It is not a tailgate food at all. Be better. I expect more of you. <laughs> hang on, hang on. I don't like that one either. We really need the beer, 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 beer. I'm going to bring my Tampa Bay Lightning goal horn into the office and start, and start blaring that thing. That could be a thing that happens. It very well could be. We're way over so, time. Yes, with that, we are going to wrap things up. Uh, if you want to be like Greco and send us questions, you can do so via that Twitter app or do what Greco used to do and give us a call at 813-444-5841. Check out everything going on over at BucksNation.com. Follow along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JayArco underscore Bucks, at DHarrison82, and at Bucks underscore Nation. Hope you all have an absolutely outstanding day. Stay safe, stay healthy, wash your hands, be good to each other. And we thank you so much for joining us right here at Long Long Box. Bow, 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 bow.